Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the 20% Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Meckes. For those of you new to the show, the 20% Podcast is a show I created to bring you tips and tricks from seasoned industry professionals. We're going to share easy and simple to use principles that can not only spark a new interest, but could also help you in your current job today. Whether you're just starting off or you are that seasoned professional, I truly hope to bring you a new perspective and really shed a light on a different way that you could do your job. Like many other kids and adults, I had no idea what I wanted to do with my career. I went to school for six years and then went into a completely different career because I wanted to get into the business world. Looking back, I could have really benefited from someone exposing me to some of the different options that I could have done. Now, I want to be that person who gives back. And I want to ask industry professionals about their job so they can not only shed a light on these topics, but also potentially give people new ideas on future careers. The 20% podcast is going to give listeners the 20% of information that could give them the 80% of what they need to know of the topic. Today, I have Brian Bobeck. He's a principal and senior consultant at Cornerstone Institutional Investors, which focuses in life insurance. Brian has a variety of, of experience ranging in IT, working through marketing, chief operations officer roles, as well as his latest in the life insurance policy area. Um, some of the things we talked about today include how some things could only be learned through experience, how great ideas unexecuted are really just bad ideas, and goes over the essentials of life insurance and how truly important it is amongst many other things. Enjoy my conversation with Brian Bobeck. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Appreciate it. So for those of you who don't know Brian, he has a ton of information. He's, he's had over 20 years in the life insurance and planning strategies vertical. Um, but besides that, he's had a ton of other jobs as well across many different sites, whether it's business development, marketing, held a chief operations officer role. This guy knows a lot and I cannot wait to pick your brain, Brian. Uh, before we get into your current role of where you sit, stepping back, you started off at King's um, in information systems. Why IT? Yeah, really good question. Um, that's a tough question to answer when you're 17 or 18, much less when you're 49 or whatever age you are. I think we're all trying to figure it out. But so, yeah, so why? I think the, re that the real answer is that I actually had somebody in my family that was in IT, that went to King's, uh, that I felt like we were pretty similar and he had achieved a certain level of success. And it was fairly new at the time too. Uh, IT was really developing and this was pre-internet, pre I'll say pre-internet days. I mean, we're still walking what around. What we know of the internet today, right? Yeah, right, as we know it today. I mean, we're talking floppy disks and not, not everybody had a network. I mean, email really isn't, even wasn't a thing. So it was, it was cutting edge, soon to be cutting edge. And I think it was part of the, the newness and excitement that drew me to it a little bit. <clears throat> so that's why, I, I mean, that's how I found Kings too. It's really on my, probably in retrospect, on my optic way to get where I wanted to be. Based on what I knew, it's all I knew as far as where, where I thought I wanted to go. So you looked at somebody who you knew was in that field and that's what drove your decision. And that, that's pretty cool too. Cause that's, that's the whole premise of this podcast really, you know, um, trying to expose people to different careers and different jobs. You were exposed to it. So that's what you did. True. Very true. Yeah. My, my, uh, I mean, my dad was a school teacher. My mom was stay at home mom. So I needed a little bit more and this is kind of where I got most of my family were school teachers too. So, uh, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, whatever it may be, that was a lot of the conversation and talk. So there was this, this kind of anomaly that existed in our family. And that's what I was drawn to. And I still feel like I am the anomaly, but I'm okay with that now. Absolutely. And it, it sounds like too, I mean, uh, I mean, I want, I want to try to get through the progression of, of your career, but just looking into it as well, that now that you're in a consulting role, teachers are kind of consultants too. Do you think that that background too could have eventually got you to where you are today with, with the whole consulting? Yeah, you know, nobody's ever called that out, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I do enjoy, and I think my approach in consulting is definitely educationally focused. I try to really get the, the other individual to understand the pluses, the minuses, you know, how things work so that they can make a decision as opposed to 
a sales strategy or whatever you want to call it. It's just really not my thing. Um, I really try to focus on education, and that and that was that was what part in part what drew me to information technology. It was new, so I was the educator. So. I guess you're right, you know, as I rewind the tape and take a look at it, what I enjoyed about it was I was teaching people, people were appreciative, and then that kind of fueled uh, the continuum. Absolutely. So. Teaching, teaching. I, I wanted to be a, a college professor at one point too, and now I, my strategy to, to my customers is I want to be that education guy. I want to make sure that, that you, you give knowledge to people so that they can make their own informed decisions, and it sounds like you're doing that same, taking that same premise in um, in the financial financial services industry in doing that as well. So that's, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Never thought of it that way. I really, and, and uh, yeah, my daughter is looking to become a school teacher. A lot of my family members are school teachers. Uh, that's, uh, <laughs> that could be a thread um, in combination with, I think uh, a little bit of attention issues, ADD. I'm not quite sure what it is. Uh, impatience. I think when you combine those together, maybe that's what has led me to where I am. I don't think I would function exceptionally well within the structure of a school district per se. I served on a school board so and, and kind of lived it. And I don't think I'd do well there, but I do think there's attributes that yes, are definitely included in what I do that have me approach it completely differently than other people. And that seems like even being on the school board seems like a nice way to be, to have that structure of giving your, um, you know, kind of still having a say into the, the school structure without having it, but also bringing your career advice into the schools too. I think that that's probably another, another great um, mindset maybe, or another um, looking at it from a different lens to try to help, um, help the schools as well. Yeah, definitely. It was, uh, it was probably a really good example of how I've, uh, I don't say navigated because that almost sounds intentional, but my path that I took through my career, it was really about try something, do something. That's the best way to learn. Uh, I think for everybody out there listening can certainly, certainly relate when you say, yes, there's nothing like teaching your teenager how to drive a car because you can tell somebody with the utmost detail how to drive a car but until you're sitting in that driver's seat, <clears throat> that's the only time. And there's nothing scarier than sitting in the passenger seat, knowing that the person in the driver's seat has no idea what they're doing <clears throat> and that there are so many thoughts going through your head as a veteran driver. There's so many things that you're doing. And it's just an example of you can't teach. You can only teach so much before you have to do, and then you learn. Right. And where, where's that cutoff point? It sounds like in, in, in with your career too, and I want to dive through it too, um, you had to do that trying in order to find where you wanted to go. Um, now, I want to find out too, you mentioned that the, the teaching is a pretty common thread throughout the course of your life. From your IT position, what was the next step in your career? Yeah, I didn't really, uh, I worked for a major, major company out of school, Fortune. 100 company and my parents were really really happy um i was not it wasn't a good fit for me just because um i think what we talked about was the excitement the entrepreneurial spirit the energy the education that did not align with the role the role was very old school it was very uh, structured and that wasn't a good fit for me so um that's when i first and I should have figured out that the reason I selected IT wasn't because of IT. It was because it was exciting and it was new and it was supposed to be creative. And that's what was lacking there. So um, I left and went to go work for a very small organization that wasn't uh, well established at the time. And it was a big risk. When I think about it, it was a big risk, but at the time it wasn't really a risk at all. I mean, I was 22 years old old there's not much you can do your career at that point that is really going to mess anything up right um, right i mean still in life i still think that same way so it was more in that format that environment was so much more conducive for me because it was me teaching it was me educating it was me being creative 
it just more aligned with, <clears throat> I think this kind of goes to like the core of who you are, your personality, what you like to do, what's natural. And that may or may not be an item on the list as far as what do you want to be when you grow up? Right. Like it's, it's kind of a, I mean, and even 17, 17 year old Brian had no idea what 22 year old Brian wanted to do. And 22 year old Brian didn't know what 40 year old Brian wanted to do. No, no. I, I think I've had several midlife crises along the way, I think, but I think a lot of people do. They just kind of struggle to figure out, you know, everybody says, Oh, just find something you love and your passion. You'll never work a day in your life. I don't, I don't think it's that easy. It's not. <laughs> it's, it's pretty hard to find that passion. I think it's a lot easier. I, I just have a couple things that I feel like are just um, uh, mantras, right? You say, you can always find an excuse not to do what you don't want to do. You never have time for those things for some strange reason. And you right. always have time to do the things that you want to do. So I don't know if it's passion, but if you're doing what you want to do, <clears throat> you'll always find the time to do it. Personal life, professional life. I mean, we always all have a list of things to do during the day, even our current careers that you don't want to do. And my guess is we probably don't get to them. Right. Because we just don't want to do them. <clears throat> right. And that's, and if your entire job is a list of that, that's not a great way to spend the day. Right. right. It would be, be much more exciting to feel good about. Be passionate what. about it. Yeah. It, yeah. Maybe you want, to, you want to call that passion or excitement or just your natural tendency is if you're constantly fighting to do it, it's probably not your natural tendency. Right. And that's, that's interesting too. The one way that I've been trying to ask myself too of the, of finding out what your passion is, is, um, and, and to try to find it in others is ask the question of, not what you do for your job day to day, but what do you do outside of your job that helps helps either yourself improve or helps improve the world? Um, when you when you start thinking like that, you know, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on on that too. Um, do you think that that's a great way to try to find your purpose or what you want to do by just trying to get exposed to other areas, essentially? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, doing is the best teacher. I really do. I, I, I'm not a great, I'm a better student at trial and error. And I think most people are, I, I use the driving example as the best one. Yeah. I the love best, that one by the way. Best teacher for driving is driving. It's doing it. it, it it's doing it. So uh, this is where having a 22, 19 year old where I, I realize and understand that my advice is likely not going to go very far or sink in very deep today, uh, but perhaps somebody else's will, and perhaps by just encouraging somebody to do something. And then I, I say that to myself too. Right. Like just do it. I mean, whatever it is you're thinking about it, great ideas unexecuted, in my opinion, are bad ideas. They're nothing. It's nothing. Right. And that, that once again, it just sounds, it sounds, uh, sounds kind of cliche, but it does take a lot of effort to actually do. It's easy to strategize. It's e easy to, in my opinion, it's easy to come up with a plan. It's kind of exciting to come up with a plan. It's a lot of fun to come up with a plan. What's not exciting is doing and, and not doing it well. <clears throat> Failure. <laughs> but what is, what is exciting to me, and that's where I think, um, I always like to, to work with and hire people where they have this figure it out type of attitude. Like, I don't know, I don't know how to do this. That's fine. But I'm willing to figure it out and it'll be a lot of fun to go through that process. Right. Almost the process is almost more enjoyable than the end. It's somewhat anticlimactic. Right. And for me, when you figure out the solution, right, because the solution, that's great, but the fun was in trying to figure it out. Right. So yeah. that's what, you know, that's what I do for other, that's where I kind of get the, the enthusiasm in working with other people is that every, every scenario is completely different, right? There is no follow these steps and then we get to the ideal scenario for this person. It is no such thing. Have you, have you always been a fan of, um, of puzzles and trying to strategize around things? It sounds like you have a different um, a different job every single day. 
right? Have you always liked puzzles and solving challenges, I guess, essentially? And this is another, another factor too, because you're, you're worried about the financial well-being of somebody. Does that stress you out also besides that? Yeah, I, it should. I mean, you care about what you're doing, right? To be honest, yeah. If it doesn't stress you out, it's, it's, yeah, I don't think you should be um, giving it necessarily advice. Yeah, I take it extremely personally. And um, I mean, I kind of share, share a quick antidote with you is that I've never really, I've never really fully understood that um, until I was in the hospital for the first time. And you really like never, I was never sick, never needed to go to a hospital, never any issues. I had back surgery a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, pretty serious, of course. Any back surgery serious, as my wife will remind me, she's a nurse. For me, it was just, I'm in serious super pain. I have to get this fixed. Right. I don't have a choice um, in any case. So back surgery, um, I have it done. I have it done at probably, you know, one of the, one of the uh, best hospitals that you can find. This is not an area where you really want to dabble and go with somebody, and, you know, and try it again. So I went to what I thought was the best. They finished the surgery. I came back out. They said, you're fine. Walk around. And I said, no, I'm not. Something's wrong. And you know, you just know when something's wrong. You know, right. they tell you this is the way you should feel. Like, that's not how I feel. Right. So, um, you know, they had to go back in and open me up again. And that's when you realize you just need help. Right. Yeah. So, and, and really nobody else can help you. You got to, you have to give the power to somebody else. Scary. Very scary. And I think in a lot of cases, that's the way other people feel when they're talking to me or somebody like me or whoever it may be, just when they're entrusting somebody else to help them, they feel like, wow, I don't need, I don't want to even give you this much power because I'm relinquishing all this control and power to somebody else with the hopes that you will genuinely want to help me. That's a lot of responsibility. You find you have to find somebody that you really trust and really cares about your well-being, right? It, 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 yeah, you do. And that's, that goes, I mean, that, that's not just in a hospital doctor setting and that's, that's, that could really span across a lot of what you do during the day. Absolutely. And you, just, you just hope sometimes that why can't, you know, it sounds like a simple request for somebody that's seeking advice or help from anybody. Right. Can this person just genuinely help me out? That's it. That's all I want. I mean, that's any job too. I think to, to my, my role in an IT, you know, sales and consulting position, I need to have people f- feeling that way too. You know, if they, if they know that they're cared about, what it comes down to is you got to like the people that you're working with, right? And if you don't trust them, you can't build a rapport. Nothing's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really think that, that that type of experience changed my perspective. And, you know, if I, if, if I can constantly remind myself that that's the goal, everything else takes care of itself. It really does. It's not, I don't think it's rocket science. What I do, I don't think what most people do is, is rocket science, but I do believe that, you know, some people do it with a level of gen, uh, a genuineness that is very apparent and some people approach it differently. Right. And I, I, I just feel like for me, that's my approach. Right. You know, I may that's not right. be, I may not be as, as, as effective at closing business as a result, but that's just, that's just no, but, not, it's not what I do. No, but I, I feel like too, I mean, when you genuinely care about somebody, the sales and, and the money that you're going to make or whatever will all come as a, as a rule behind that. But if you're yeah. not caring for that person first and foremost, and they could feel it, then there's, yeah. they're not going to, they're not going to trust you. I feel like yeah. it comes down to trust there, right? True. Now the frustrating part is that, you know, in a lot of cases, that is your goal. That is what you're doing. You, you feel that, you know that. And for some reason, it's not, it's not being felt by the recipient. 
And that to me is probably the most frustrating part of my job is that, um, you know, please let me help you as right. opposed to uh, um, them not real, not realizing that that's what I'm trying to do. Right. And that you, you can't always, I can't, I can't always clarify that sometimes. And that's probably the biggest struggle throughout my day is getting somebody to genuinely understand what I am trying to do for them and have them understand that it's, it's, that's the intention. Right. And that intent, that's, that's so weird. You must've read my mind there. I was thinking like, do you, intention is everything. Do you lay out your intentions to your customers before they assign them to you? These are really good questions, Tyler, and a lot of things that I haven't thought about. Uh, probably not as clearly as I should now that now that we're now that we're speaking about it. Uh, the intention sometimes can can feel, I think, too methodical and too analytical and too structured. Uh, without because what I'm doing most of the day is you could argue is a math problem. Right. And that in and of itself kind of creates the sensation of the lack of emotion. Right. Right. To get to the right answer. There's no emotion involved in that. X plus Y equals Z. That's it. Every time. Right. <clears throat> Doesn't matter what you do. You could change it, but it's still going to equal Z. Um, and I think that's where I need to be. I should be. And I, I probably do this sometimes better than others where it's, you know, why should you care about Z? Right. right. Why should you care? The answer is Z. And that's, that's the most important part. It's not that we got the answer. <clears throat> right. It's, it's that, how did I get the answer? Why is it so important that that be the answer? And why is it that, that you should use this answer as part of your, your planning, what you do. Right. Um, so, so sometimes I get frustrated, you know, like it doesn't seem as though they care. Right. And, uh, and I struggle to make sure that they understand that you, you should really care about this. And right. this is why. And maybe, maybe you could get them to care more too by just mentioning that intention. I know for, for me too, and in my sales leaders, I know uh, my sales director, Ro Miller, um, in, in my management team, um, all mentions state your intent to your customer. Sometimes, you know, because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a salesperson, right? Most right, of the time, right. as we were mentioning before, people think that we're always out to get somebody, but that's, that's not the case at all. You're in right. a form of sales too. And but, Absolutely. But stating the intent of what you want to do, sometimes because people think of oh, sales, this is what you want to do. Say, no, 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 sir. My intention is to be, is to make sure that your financial well-being is first and foremost. Think about what, you know, whatever you'd want to get into as well. Keeping it short. I mean, you know, stepping back with the intent, I found that people are really, really receptive to it. So, you know, maybe, maybe that's how, uh, and maybe you get some a good uh, a good way to move forward. Yeah, I think I I uh, assume that the individual I'm speaking with, the group I'm speaking with, understands the intent, yep. and uh, that's probably likely not the case. I mean, I'm a consumer just like they are. Right. I, I don't like to be sold. Likely, like uh, pretty I tell much my like customers. I tell my customers too that I don't like salespeople. And that's no, I, so counterintuitive, but it's really true. There's a really negative stigma with salespeople. I, I don't like it at all. I don't. I probably don't like it so much that I try to be the anti. Oh, me too. And I, and I think that's probably, you know, in some cases, then um, not helpful because I really, I, I, I need to educate. Yes, but I don't want it to. I don't want it to sound like whatever that sounds like to them. It's, right. It has to be so. Even, even maybe when you say the intention, which I think is extremely important, something I need to be more conscientious about and, and explaining to them, I don't want it at all to get close to sounding like a sales pitch. Right. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to say it. <clears throat> no, it's, it's being genuine. What's your intention? You're very passionate about what you do. Just lay that out, right? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, yeah, I have, I have, just stories of times where I did not want to mention what I did to somebody because I didn't want to offend them or make them feel as though I was trying to sell them. And right. then, you know, and then stuff, and then stuff happens, stuff happens where there's an accident and the, the person dies prematurely. And there's some events like that, which has made me 
approach it differently where listen i i don't want to offend you so don't take it this way but here's here's what i think you should consider and th and think about and if you decide not to i'm almost okay with that but i have to almost clear my conscience and right. say if i don't mention this to you and something happens i'm going to feel terrible right right execution is only so much i can do to get you to execute right but it's my fault if i don't if i fail to even mention it right and i should i should push you a little bit because it's the right thing to do but i shouldn't convince you right interesting and i think it's really cool too how much i feel like the back surgery being one of the toughest things that you ever went through changed more than just your your back did sure. that negative experience ultimately change your life from a, a mental perspective too. It seems like that had a pretty big impact on you. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It was terrible. I mean, it was, when you have a cane and a walker, <laughs> you think differently. I'm sure. Pretty quickly. Yeah. It's why, um, it's why I'm so passionate about, you know, offering people, long-term care um, solutions and protections because I had a walker and I was, I don't know, 47 years old. I had a cane. I couldn't do anything. My family was doing everything for me. Right. You know, that was for a couple weeks, couple months. Imagine if that's longer and that's your normal. Right. I mean, the mental anguish alone is about all I could handle. What you don't need to worry about is the financial side of that. Right. And that's why, you know, I probably, I, I am super, super passionate about what I do because this stuff happens and when it happens, there's no warning and you don't have the time. You can't put the plan in place afterwards. You don't get a redo on right. this. You don't get a redo on life insurance, on long-term care. You don't get a redo in a lot of those areas. And, 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 and that's counter to what I've done through my life. You know, what I do is I try something that doesn't work. I try something else. I like that. Right. It's the best way to learn. In this particular instance, that is not the approach that you can apply. Um, so, so doing as you like to to do things to to your experience, insurance is not one of those things that you should wait to do. And that was one of my questions too. When when should somebody get involved and, and focused on that? Is it seem is it more with an insurance perspective? Prevention is way better, way more important. Yeah, I, I think. Um, I think the market is honestly intentionally confusing to the consumer. Uh, and it's a great injustice because it's, it's something that you that most people do. It's simple. Uh, there's inexpensive solutions. I mean, yeah, they may not be, be perfect or the ideal solution, but at least there's something there. And it is about protection, but it's also about access to most, most folks don't realize that it's not something that you can just at your discretion, go out and buy uh, at the best price because we all like to negotiate and get the best deal right there, nobody wants to be the one who doesn't get the best deal and, and this is where you you have the best opportunity to get the best deal when I think one you're educated about what your options are and get somebody to help you go through I mean you're not going to be an expert that's okay get somebody so that you feel enough up to speed and get somebody that you can work with to help you understand what some of your options are. Most of us make decisions and we don't know what the options are. Right. Um, it's like order, you know, you order, it's like ordering at a restaurant and you haven't even seen the menu yet. And you've never been to the restaurant before. It makes it really difficult. Right. So one, get educated, get somebody that you trust to help educate you. Um, and then two, you have to execute when you're healthy. That's when you have the most options. You're going to get the best rates too when you're looking at that perspective too, right? You just have the most choices. Even if you decide to do nothing, it's your choice to do nothing. Otherwise, others dictate that to you. And that to me is not a great position to be in. You, you should be the one as the buyer, as the consumer, as the one that's going to spend the dollars on this to decide. Um, when you start losing that and the older you get and, and generally the older you get, we tend not to get healthier as we get older. Right. Now we're losing leverage. We're losing buying leverage. We're using negotiating leverage. Uh, 
we're just not as effective then at being able to acquire and get what we need. You know, you can always decide later, I don't want it, but you can't decide later, I want it, and now I can't get it. Right. That's the tough situation to be in. So yeah, when you're when you're healthy, when you're get educated, even if it's just to get educated to say no, I think that's better than not doing anything. So would you say maybe if you had to put a number of an age wise of when somebody should be focused on that, or is it, you know, shortly after school, after college, maybe like, would you give that advice to your daughters or is that still too premature probably to, to be thinking about that? Cause I'm, I'm 20, what, 26 and we, we just did the whole life insurance thing. Yeah. Um, is this a good time for it or shut up? Maybe we have done it a little earlier. Yeah. Um, I, I think a lot of it is the phase that you're, you're at regardless of your age at some point, you know, 26. Um, if you're 26 and single and living at home, maybe it's not necessary. 26 married children, absolutely, to get yourself educated. Um, if you're a business owner, if you're a leader, if you have, and when I say business owner, it's because you have responsibilities to yourself, to your family and your business or your business partners. There's a lot of exposure there, there's risk. and that's not to that's not to scare anybody. Right. That's to, to let you know that uh, you know what if. And here's the here's the to me the most difficult part. And sometimes people tell me this is that if anything happens to you, that's not written. That's not my problem. Like somebody else will figure that out. Right. Because you never get to see the benefit in most cases of the solution that I'm offering. You never see it. Right. Somebody else sees it. You're doing this for somebody else. And it's rare in life that that's that those are the decisions that you're making, right? I mean, you buy you buy a cell phone, the first thing you do is you buy the insurance because you're you're afraid that if you break that screen, that you're gonna have to buy a new thousand dollar phone. So you're gonna right. buy the insurance. But once again, that's that's really for you. So right. I, and and it, I understand that. It's so funny too to think about it. I mean, we're willing to insure a seven hundred dollar piece of something that could be replaced, but we don't look at ourselves the same way that we can't be replaced. We can't fix things when they're broken, but we're also not always buying that same insurance policy for ourselves. That seems a little. Do you think that's due to just being uneducated about it? I I think it's. I don't know if it's uneducated. I just think it's the way the way we tend to think as a society. Is that is like the nothing could happen wrong to me kind of mentality? Maybe we do certain things, and as a group of people, we just accept that as the norm. Hey, the phone is a good example, right? I mean, you really want to protect that. You put cases on that and screen protectors and insurance, and you are really focused in on that. And I think it's because if something happens, it, it impacts you because you're still here, right? Uh, so I think it's easier to do that, but you know, we we do. Yeah, it's easier to ignore, Tyler. I think that's really it. You can ignore this and not do this. And if something bad happens, you will never know. Right? If you don't buy the insurance on your cell phone and you crack the screen, now you realize, oh, I should have had the insurance. You know what? Next time, I'll do that. So that ignorance, ignorance isn't bliss when it comes to insurance then? Uh, I, yeah, I learned, you know, you learned it. And, and I think this happened to me too, you know, the auto insurance. I'm not in, I, I don't offer property and casualty insurance. I don't really know anything. I don't know anything about it. Um, and I don't dabble in it and I don't choose to offer it. I, I have I'm licensed to sell it. But once again, I, I feel like I wouldn't be offering somebody really good advice. But the point of this story is uh, we had a car that was totaled in the past. And one of the elements to my insurance was I had rental insurance which sounded like a great idea until you start to execute and realize what the value is. And I didn't see the value in that just by the way things fell. Mm-hmm. And so I took that off the policy. That's great because I had the ability to do that. Long-term care, life insurance, planning, any, any of that, there's not a, there's no redo. There's no, we'll see how this goes. And then if it goes well, I'll do it again. If it doesn't, I'll change it next time. Right. It doesn't exist. <laughs> it's right. just and that shouldn't scare people into into oh i'm afraid i'm gonna make the wrong decision because there there's no wrong or right decision um it's just 
feel comfortable with your decision. And I think that's it. That's what you need to be, you know. Interesting. That's why, why we need uh, folks like yourself to be helping to educate and help people with those decisions too. Um, getting, getting back into some of the, the other career experience that you've had, um, how would you say your, your, the business development roles, the marketing, chief operations officer, how would you say that some of those positions um, helped you with where you are today? Did they, did they, was there any glaring experience that those positions exposed you to how you think today or how you go about your current job? Yes, uh, none of those experiences were necessarily intentional, uh, but they did offer me a, a, just a broad background on how people think, how different organizations operate, um, public company, manufacturing company, private company, media, content, retail. These are all areas I've been invo in, involved with. And, and it's tough to, to realize it when you're actually experiencing it. But as you reflect on it, you can really piece together why people make decisions, how they make decisions, what's important, what's not important in each industry and in each um, each segment. And it really helps me then try to connect with people a lot better to speak their language so that uh, when I'm trying to help that it's in, it's in a way, it's in a, it's, it's in a fashion that they understand that I've been there. I've seen it a little bit. I don't know it to the level they do, right. but at least, acknowledge can, that? at least we can have a conversation about why this is important and why this isn't. And I try to, be, and I think it helps me to be a little more respectful too. Right. So, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I have my MBA, but you know, part of my MBA was actually going through and learning through different experiences and different people, different leadership styles. Um, and that kind of really has helped me to decide who I want to work with and who I want to be and how I want to approach my day. Uh, and just, I think just kind of who you are as a person, because you might, you find people throughout your careers and they exist in different industries about what you like and what you don't like as an individual about who you're going to be. And I don't think just this, this is a conscious thought. I think you are saying to yourself, I like the success that this person has, but I don't like this example of what they did to get there. So I'm going to take these pieces. I'm going to take the good from this guy, the good from this guy. I'm going to throw out the bad from this guy and the bad from this girl. And that's going to help you develop as a person um, so that you're, you, you are your unique person. Right. I think you copy somebody that's probably the biggest mistake I've made in my career is trying to be somebody that I'm not right. As opposed to picking the pieces that I felt were the strengths about who I could be and still be myself and figuring out how to put those together. Right. And, 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 um, how do you go about trying besides just experience alone? Uh, how do you find those mediums of, of, finding those different leadership styles? Are you a reader? Do you listen to audiobooks or uh, podcasts? How do you, how do you go about that? Yeah, I'm really into, uh, I guess you'd call the category self-help, self-helpful okay. yep. um, podcasts, you, anything on YouTube, any, and I, I probably should have minored in psychology because I really like observing. I'm the same exact way. Are you, you a curious and, person by nature? I'm sorry. Are you a curious person by nature? I, I would like to think I am. I think it sounds like uh, it. Yeah, I'm curious. Because I just, I just tend to recognize things about people that are that make me curious. Yeah, right. I find it curious that right. uh, I'm always interested in learning about something that I don't know anything about. Yeah, um, that's curiosity yeah, guess, to the T. I guess that's it, and that's what that's why I like what I. That's what I like what I do because it is a, it is a curious business. It is a puzzle. It is a game. Um, and it's, it's a game that, you know, I'm trying to help my clients win is basically right. the way I approach it. You know, you, you're competitive, you're creative, you're curious. This is, this is all what I enjoy to do. Now, if I can do that and help somebody on my team, meaning right. the client or whoever I'm helping, 
that's that's a great day for me. And then even better is when the, the individual I'm helping kind of recognizes that, thanks you, sees yeah. the value, and they're like, wow, this is this is why I do what I do. This yeah. is it. I mean, this it sounds like you were in the perfect position. You you ultimately found where you needed to be through all those experiences. I mean, it sounds like you like the challenge of it. You like helping people. You're curious to see how you could help them. I mean, it sounds like you're right where you need to be, but you wouldn't have got there without doing. Is the It seems like that's the bigger overarching story behind it, right? Yeah, and that, you know, once again, when I hear this, when I hear you say this, and probably when I hear myself say it, it just doesn't say. If I was my 20-something-year-old and I heard this, I, I, I don't know how, I'd, how I would react to it, to be honest with you. Um, but I, I do find when I listen to and read a lot of uh, a lot of these self-help, it is this young, whoever it is, this young, successful individual, like how, how did they get there? I feel like it was pretty rapid on, and it, it, it was pretty, it was pretty rapid. What I did was change, I changed jobs at a time when you were not supposed to change jobs. It was not, that was not uh, looked at as very favorable, to be honest with you. Um, and it was done pretty rapidly. But and when I think about other folks, the way they got their experience, they were rapid fire. They were rapid firing on trial and error. They, they didn't. They didn't gain this experience over thirty years of very methodical patience. Um, and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I think that's a great fit for many people. Right. I'm just not very patient in general. And so my experience came from being impatient. And um, I think I just learned to embrace that as a positive. I think in a lot of times, the way our education system is set up, it, it, it's not necessarily rewarding those people who are impatient or who are curious or who do want to try and fail and try and fail and try and fail. Um, that doesn't bode well on your final exam right? or your transcript. I mean, it's not... That's really not the way we're trained to learn. No, and, and you think about it too with, you know, with curious. Kids are some of the most curious things that you ever, right? Why is this? Why is that? What? We can't stop them from asking those questions. Keep them to ask those questions. Let them fail. fail failure is one of the biggest things that's going to push you forward. It's not fun in the moment, but my, right. my philosophy on it too is that, you know, with every failure and every hard, hardship, it's going to make you better. It's going to make you stronger. That's how I'm looking at COVID as we're in the middle of the, the COVID-19 um, pandemic. You know, that one of the saving graces of trying to get through besides making sure my family's safe, which is obviously priority number one, is with every hardship, we're going to get stronger. We're going to come back and it's, it's going to teach us something. We yep. can't see it right now with the blinders on, but we're yep. going to learn. With your, back, I mean, with your back surgery, I mean, that's, that would be enough info for me if I was you to say, you know, this, that hardship's going to get through. So looking at the hardships and saying, this is what's what we need. I don't want to say this is what we need, but it's going to make us stronger in the end. Yeah. I always feel like it's, it's tough. It's difficult when you're actually doing it, whatever it is to recognize that it's only afterwards. And that's why I think whatever you're doing, do it. Um, and sometimes just let the current take you because you may not realize the importance of, of, whatever it is at the time until it's three years or five years or later, maybe it's a month, maybe it's a week, maybe it's years later, but all that can be used to come together to move the needle a little bit closer to where you want it to be, to find your, to find your happiness. And that's right. what it was. So I try not to get too consumed with making, you know, all these correct decisions because I, who knows whether they are right or wrong. I, I think that's an argument to, that can take place at any time, but it is what got me to where I am. And I think that's what happens to most people. Right. Do you have, um, and it sounds like the only way that you really find that stuff is, is looking back with reflection. Do you have any kind of like daily reflection or any kind of reflection techniques that you use, like any kind of journaling or um, any, anything like that? Yeah. I, I think my reflection comes from, comes from reading. It comes from podcasts, comes with videos. It comes from, like I said, I really, I like to observe people. It comes from observing uh, folks who are older than I am, folks who are younger than I am. It comes from family, it comes from my kids. If you want reflection, um, I think 
for me, my kids are a great reflection because not 22 and 19, now you're thinking about, this is when you remember, I think, this is when you had that clarity of, I remember when I was in college. I remember when I was look, trying to select my major. I remember my first job. Uh, and that's when you start to think, wow, I wish somebody would have told me, or I wish somebody would have said this, right. or I wish I would have done this and maybe somebody would have just encouraged me to do it, you know? Right. And that's where I think the self-reflection comes in at, you can see people when, you know, younger kids or older kids are, are a part in, in their career, at their phase of that career, you remember yourself there. Yep. And you think to yourself, what, what did I do? I don't remember what I did. I made some really bad decisions. Right. And I made some good decisions or this is what I learned at that time. Right. That was really helpful. And this is how I'm, I'm applying it now. So I, I don't think the reflection is formalized. Yep. But it's it's constant throughout the day. And I'm trying to use that um, continuously to make changes to how I can. How do I help people? How do I. How do I go about my day by using what has already happened to, to make it a little bit better? Right. And that's something too that, um, and, and I'm really glad that you said that you wish that you had people who mentioned those things because th that's really the nature of why I did this show. You know, as you know, I studied exercise physiology and uh, just because that's what I liked and that's what I knew, but I didn't know all of the other things. Um, right. So that's really cool. But one thing to, I do on a daily basis is, um, I started it actually as a New Year's res resolution two years ago, and I've, I've stuck to it every single day. Um, I, I call it my takeaway of the day. Every single day I write, I have notebooks, and I ha I've filled up four or five of them by now with putting the date, the day that it is, and then just talking about my day, what I learned that day, and then ultimately what, how I'm going to use whatever I learned that day to move forward. Now it's really, really cool to look back on it and see, okay, what was I, th and it, it's real time. You're seeing what, what happened. So like, you know, sometimes in our life, like um, our wedding day, you go back and read and you remember, okay, I could remember sitting in the hotel room by myself, you know, thinking right. about getting married the next day. What was, what was my brain like? And you yeah. look and you, and you see exactly what I was thinking. So it's, it's helped me and I don't do enough reflection on it yet, but it's been a really, really cool tool, tool um, to look back on. And then, you know, I think that, that's a great example, Tyler. Uh, uh, you and I, uh, some would say, have the same function during the day. Right? You're in sales. And so I'm in sales. Let's just kind of make it a simple description about what we do. Yep. Yet, um, you, your approach you're, of writing things down and reflecting and being very formal in that. And I don't know if I could do that. Because for me, it's something that I wouldn't want to do, so I would never do it, right? Right. So my reflection is much more fluid in nature. Right. But I'm still doing what you're doing. I'm just doing it a different way. Right. And I think that kind of goes to, you know, just embracing who you are and recognizing that and not saying that, oh, my one, God. One way is better than another. I can't, you're right. I can't do what you do, Tyler. So, you know, obviously we should never be in the same role or job and clearly we would never succeed because we're just very very different right which is not the case i don't think that's true it's not true at all right i think you can do you can do what you want to do and if you want to do it you're gonna you'll do it well <clears throat> how right. you do it should be up to with certain level of discretion should be up to that person right so i have never been a i mean i'm very organized throughout the day about what i want to do who i'm doing it for I have spreadsheets and I'm very organized that way, but I got to tell you, I wouldn't do that. Like what you just said, you do on reflection. I think it's a great idea. I almost even want to do it, but I right. know I won't. Yeah. <laughs> I won't do it. I'll, I can put it on my list of things to do. I'm not doing it. Right. I might, rec I, you know what I might do? I might record it. I might figure out go. a way at night to record it. That might be my twist on that. And I think that's where, that's probably what I learned most about having, you know, really reflecting about and, and being that, trying to be very observant for people. My kids, my kids are very different people. My kids are not uh, like me. Nobody's like me. Nobody's like you. We have similarities, but, and they are going to find their own happiness and it's going to be their way, their style, right? 
they're going to have their nuances and we all do. Yep. And that is going to, that's still going to make you productive and successful and happy. It's just that how you define that, everybody defines it differently and everybody gets there differently. Right. And, and, and that, that to me is super important when you're looking to see what do you want to do for a living? How do you want to do it? I think you need to, I think you, you have to surround yourself with people that will allow you to do that. Right. And I think that's super key. Interesting. How do, how do you find other like-minded people to, to try to um, get on the same missions and stuff as you? Is it yeah. just you, you come across them just in day-to-day or? Um, no, and it doesn't have to be like-minded. I mean, you want people to, to, I think you want people to be different than you are. Or challenging um, people, I guess, maybe. You do. But I think, what, I think what you really need is everybody has to respect the fact that we all are different. That is not easy. And uh, what I just mentioned about you and I, I kind of recognize the fact that I'm not going to do the list and you are, and I'm going to do a recording. You aren't, but if either of us are completely irritated with that and we're not willing to accept that or embrace that, then we're probably not going to really work well together. But if we, if you and I agree as a team or as a group or as a company or as coworkers that I don't do it your way, you're not going to do it my way. You're going to get it done just as better as I am, if not better. Right. right? And that's fine. So are you more of like a result, results-oriented leader? You care more about the, the end than the path of getting it, essentially, maybe? Um, not, not, so, not so much. I mean, yes, the results are super important because that's what my business is about. I mean, the result is you have to help somebody. And if you can't, uh, it wasn't a phenomenal day. You know? Yeah. Um, but... I, I, I think it's the, it's the approach and the way we got to the result. Um, and it's in the enjoyment of doing that. Like I want to work with people that I like, everybody wants to work with somebody that they like to work with. Absolutely. It's not just, it's not just the result that matters. It's the, it's the path that gets you there. I mean, you can't not, if you don't trust me and you don't like me, you don't like my style. Even if my solution is the best, it's Why not going to do business together. Right. Not gonna matter. I get, I get that. I wouldn't do it either. Um, that's rare. It's a rare that that's gonna be, you know, um, that's gonna be applicable in a relationship. So I don't think it's all about results. I, I wanna. It's and, and it kind of kind of goes back to the education system. I mean, is, is it the smartest kid in the class who gets the best job, makes the most money, and is the happiest? Not always. No, generally not. Right. You know, why, why do we hire people? Why, well, how do we select our friends? Who do you select when you're on Friday night and you say, who do you want to hang out with? I mean, it's the people you like. So, yeah, that's interesting. I never thought about it that way. You don't go through a checklist and figure out uh, why you're going to hang out with this person. It's just you, you generally like hanging out with that person. You want to spend time with them. It's done. And you may not have the same... Uh, mindset, you know, there's going to be similarities and there's going to be differences, but I think in that relationship is whether it's a friend or a colleague or, or business relationship, there's just this mutual respect. I think exists consciously or unconsciously, which allows that to happen. Right. Interesting. What, what would you say the best career advice you ever received was? Um, Okay, this is the best career advice, which isn't really career advice, but it was the best uh, statement that was made. So uh, my first job, which I was a computer programmer for a major corporation, and I was asked to help somebody on a consulting uh, basis to help them with, doesn't really matter. That's not important. Mm-hmm. I was going to help them in IT, but this was a problem solver. He really wanted my help. I really wanted to help him. This individual said to me, do you have your own business or should I 1099 you? I didn't even really know what that meant, <clears throat> but what that meant was um, you have a choice, Brian. <laughs> Are you going to choose, cho- choose to be a business owner or am I just going to uh, send you a, a check and it's going to get taxed? And that to me wasn't really advice, but it was uh Something that was posed to me that I wouldn't have gotten posed that question by too many other people. This person did that. Right. And that's when I started my own business for the first time. And that's when I learned 
exceptional amount in such a short period of time. And that's when I really wanted to learn about, that's when I started, I think, to become more observant about businesses and how they work and leaderships and decisions. Interesting. How does, what does a P&L really look like? Why do people care? What, what, is, what, what are all, all those things you learned? What do they really mean? Right. And that's when you learn it because there's nobody else to help you. It's right. you. And uh, if it's, I wouldn't have done it if it wasn't fun because you would have stopped, you would have ignored it. Right. That to me is the best advice, which was in the form of a question. Uh, and just kind of, I guess it was, there was some unintentional encouragement. Right. But there is to do something that nobody in my family had ever done. Uh, there wasn't a, there wasn't sequential by any means. Like here's, here's the, here are the steps you take. So yeah, that was the best advice I ever got. That's crazy. So it was really something that was maybe out of your direct scope of work with your actual job. You took that step, not knowing where it could have took you and it altered the, the, the course of your life then essentially. I think it did. It changed my mindset. It changed the, I think that was the first time I really took, I guess, a chance. You want to put it that way? Right. It was not, it was not staying on the beaten path. It was, it was do something that you don't know how to do <clears throat> and don't worry about it. Interesting. And that, and that and, sounds like that. I mean, that, that probably changed you more too, because then you, you changed jobs a couple different times to, until you found where you needed to be. So maybe that gave you that, that final push. Maybe if that guy wasn't there, you'd still be in IT. I could, I, yeah, I, I don't know if I would be, um, but it definitely provided the clarity because what that did was that helped me launch. I was able to get more customers and I, I picked up a reseller's license. I was reselling equipment. Um, you, you just, you learn so quickly and it's not, it, it doesn't even seem to be work because um, it was, it was the creativity. It was the curiosity. All yeah. this was, and that really wasn't apparent Tyler until, until you start to figure out, a little bit more about yourself and the clarity like who, who are who are you do you have a junk drawer in your house and if you do does it bother you when it's messy or are you the one who fixes it do you organize it like that to me those are two different people right, right. there's the person who throws the stuff in there and it doesn't bother them and then there's the person that cleans it up right and says to and says to everybody else in the house now listen i just cleaned this can you please put the pencils here those are two different people and if I think if you know who you are right. and you explain that to somebody, or if you use that as your strength, whether you're the one who mess, is the messy one or the organizer one, if you use that as your strength in your career, I, I think it's, you're a lot happier and it's a lot easier to find out what you want to do. Right. And if you're faking who you are, if you think the right answer is, oh, I'm the one who organizes it and that's never really not who you are. It, it doesn't, I don't see how that works out well. <clears throat> right. You'll never clean that drawer. Even if you know that's the right answer, you'll never do it. <clears throat> so now I, now I feel like I'm, I need to be obligated to go downstairs and go clean out my junk drawer now. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't. I, <laughs> that's the irony behind all this. I just, I, I'm that, that's my curiosity and, and just enjoying observing people. Absolutely. Because when, when I talk to somebody, I, I really want to know like, who you are. That's curiosity, man. I just, want, I just want to know. I don't, the answer is not ex, as, as important as the, uh, as the honesty in your answer. And do you know? Right. That's all I want to know because I, that's great if, if that's who you are. If that's who you are and I'm talking to you as a customer, or I want to know what you do during the day because I, I want to know how do you think? How do you make decisions? How, how can I? How can I best help you right. to understand what I can, what I do? Because if I'm not talking your language, you got to get your, you got to get in, in those, um, in their, in their shoes, essentially, probably. I have to, I have to better understand who you are. Right. And it's good for, for, for them to understand who I am. Right. Well, you got to understand my background a little bit, my back surgery, my grandmother's 99 and is still alive, you know? My dad was a school teacher. My mom was there. If, if you have all that information, 
you might understand, you know, where I'm coming from and why I say what I say and why I do what I do and, you know, why my style is my style. Um, but you only get those things out when you actually have genuine conversations and you become, I don't want to say friendly with them, but a person, right? You're not, you're not just selling something. You're a person. Yeah. I'm a person that's just, I'm a person that's trying to, Hey, at the bottom, at the end of the day, I'm just trying to help you. Right. That's it. I mean, just like the doctor was like, Hey, I really need your help. Yeah. If you come to me and I, they say, I really need your help. I'm, I'm the guy. I'm absolutely the guy. Now, the problem Brian is Bobeck, the financial doctor, <laughs> just a, but, but you don't know that if you're on the other side, how are you supposed to tell? How can you figure out if, if that is a good fit? I'm not a good fit for everybody. It's certainly not a good fit for, I, I would never claim to be a good fit for everybody, but you know, if you're not willing to, to uh, invest the time to find that out, then I, you'll likely, it's a crapshoot on whether you'll find that right person. Right. If it's all about the result and nothing in between matters, that, that could be tough. Interesting. I guess the result always wasn't, isn't always as important. It's important, but it's part of the importance. Right. And as you're so passionate about your job and your career and, and making sure that you're caring for other people, how do you draw that line between, um, between work and life, trying not to let one, let the work seep into the actual, your day-to-day life? Uh, I don't know. My wife's a registered nurse. So it's interesting you say that because we're always, we're somewhat always uh, speaking about the health of somebody. Right. Right. That's our commonality, except on, on her side, it's, it's, it's literally the, (laughs) the caring in person. It's the physical caring of somebody. Whereas in my world, it's the financial caring of somebody. Right. And, and, and so, uh, it's actually, it's helped me a little bit in, in communicating because it, it, this is a big factor, but how do I go about my, I think your question, I want to make sure I answer How do I go my, my daily life without it dominating right. uh, or, or being destructive? Um, I think I'm, a, I'm always thinking about it, to be honest with you. There are a yep. lot of decisions that you make in your life during the day that you tie back to what you do. And I, I'll give you one quick, quick story. I'm driving home. It's from the beach. Um, it's hot. It's been hot the whole week. I haven't been hydrating properly. I'm in the car and I'm on 95. And of course there's, I don't know, eight lanes or something crazy. Right. And I start to get this weird, uh, never happened to me before or since. I start to lose my peripheral vision, <clears throat> which is really scary. It's really scary. If it's ever happened to you, um, it's really scary. So it starts to just, it starts, you start to get this tunnel. Only thing you can see is in front of you. You literally, it's black on the outside. And this is happening to me when I'm driving. My wife's in the car and my youngest daughter's in the car. <clears throat> And now you got to remember, my, my wife's a registered nurse. Okay. So what's going to happen when I tell her this? And she is normally, she's calm and cool and collected when she's helping patients. But if it's your own family, it's a little different. Yeah. So I start to tell her this very, very calmly. Hey, hon, something's not right. I can't see out of the sides. It's like I'm losing my vision. Okay. So I'm saying that in a tone that's very relaxed because I don't want to get myself upset (laughs) or her freaked out or your, or your child trying intentionally to be calm for myself. Of course, that doesn't, that's not the way it's received. Uh, the nurse goes into the wife mode, mom, the mother mode. And they're like, we got to pull over very somewhat hysterical. I'm on 95. There's eight lanes. There's no pull over option. So, uh, calmly, exit at the next exit and pull over. So what's the first thought for my wife? We have to call 911. What's the first thought for me? It kind of goes to you. How do you separate the two? First thought for me is, you know how bad this is going to look on my, in my medical file? If I call 911, loss of vision, um, lightheaded, whatever it may be, whatever is written down, that's what's written down. We can't change that. You can't negotiate your way out of that. You can't explain that. Whatever the doctor wrote, that's, that's what it is. So I say, no way. 
we're not calling 911. Um, and this was before I applied for my insurance. So I'm, I'm immediately going back to what I do during the day because I've seen it happen to other people. It's unfair. It's not a true reflection of my health history. I know it will be detrimental. And I'm thinking about it all the time. I'm thinking about my choices all the time. Wow. And I, I, and I see people when they make choices too. Uh, well, that's a bad idea, right? Don't go to the doctor just because you're curious to see how you're doing. Uh, that's a great thought because it's preventative, but there's certain things you should do beforehand. Right. Because the sequence of events is extremely important. First you do this and then you do this. So um, yeah, that's an example of my daily life, normal day. I'm not thinking about work. Yep. I'm on vacation. Something happens. I'm, I'm immediately thinking about my career, what I do, how I help people, um, and the pluses and minuses. And I'm applying it to myself. This is why when I talk to people, like, look, everything that happens to you is important. It's super important. Right. <clears throat> so when you say, when's the best time to do it? Things like that, that happen, that are random, that you don't think anything of. Nobody thinks anything about that. You know, it happened. That could be detrimental to how, how the industry assesses you as a risk. And you could wind up paying a lot more for something that it's not, they're not properly assessing. It's an, it's an error. And it's an error that is going to impact you. And it's not correct. Right. So there, there, there's a little anecdote for you. That, that is great. And I think that's, that's a great spot to wrap up. Thank you so much for all your wisdom and, and everything that you provided. I, it's no secret at all that you're incredibly passionate about what you do. Um, your intention to help customers is, is incredible. And, um, you know, I can't wait to see where else, you know, I know you, you mentioned that you want to start a podcast soon. I can't wait to see how that goes. Um, let me know, however, I could help with, with those ventures as well. And, um, you know, is there any, anywhere else, where could people find you or, or learn more about your firm? Yeah, I, I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. Look for me there. Um, and thank you, Tyler. I just want to thank you so much for the conversations uh, today. The great questions. Um, you know, I know you and I hadn't spoke, spoken beforehand yep. about any of the questions that you're going to ask me. So that's why you heard some long pauses yep. because it was all, it was all genuine. And, uh, you know, I know I, I told you I requested specifically, I don't want to know what we'll talk about today. Yep. Because I, I think this uh, being genuine and being a little vulnerable is really important to me. So, so thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you so much. That wraps up another show of the 20% podcast. I would love to know your feedback on this episode. So please find me on LinkedIn or you could send me an email. 20% podcast questions at gmail.com. If you love the show, please, please, please send it along to your friends or if anybody else could benefit from listening. Um, and I truly love your feedback. Sharing and subscribing is going to be the best way that we're going to get this show out and help as many people as we can. So that is greatly appreciated as well. If there's somebody that you think would be interesting to hear from or for me to interview, please send that my, that my, that my way as well. If you know someone who else would be interested, if you know somebody who would be interesting to interview as well, please send that to me as well. Until next time, cheers.